When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I don't know, Rami just posed a really fun choose-your-own-adventure start to the show. Uh, nope. I'm out. Why don't you propose it to the listeners, too? I say we uh, we read the detailed accounts of Robert Kraft's visit to the uh, the nail salon and spa and see which one of us throws up first. I want to pass. A hard pass. Hey, that'd be good hard for Twitch. That. that would be good be for good Twitch. Video. That Man. would be good for Twitch. Yeah, well, I understand should throwing be, up is hot on the internet. Should that be tomorrow's cluster fun? <laughs> Boy. Man. Dude. I, I did read the, the story. You did? Too. Okay. It's, it's you, the whole not, thing? Have you not read I, it? The TMZ, just the TMZ recap. I literally oh, could yeah. not I could not get through the whole thing. The you same, the same the re- report? The same recap. Well, that TMZ recap includes okay. the police report, does it not? Uh, I didn't read the TMZ. I think one. it does. There's a link. Yeah. I think there's a link to it. Yeah, they, I, they are talking about releasing the video footage publicly, no, but with like don't do that. pixelated things. And yeah, it's, he was there on the day of the AFC Championship game. <laughs> hey man, gotta let out that tension. I mean, <laughs> it's gotta be other ways. Say, uh, Speaking of letting out tension, <laughs> Byron Buxton. Is now. Do you feel bad for Robert Kraft? I'm sorry to keep going back. No. Do you feel bad for him a little bit? No. No. Okay. Well, right. I don't feel bad for anyone who. If you're, it's not like there was borderline. Oh, is this a criminal activity? It's a criminal activity. Well, yes. And so therefore, there's no reason to feel bad for him. Right, but some of the details that are coming out, like the length of time that he was in there. No, I think like, if you if you're saying, do you feel bad for him because of all the details that are getting out? Right. That's what no. I, that's all I mean. When you're that prominent, yeah, and you're going to what looks like a strip mall <laughs> massage yeah. parlor, yeah, it was right. Yeah, you're that wealthy, and you're going to a strip mall. Sorry, and you and you're putting yourself in that situation uh, illegally. I think you're fair game for everything that happens. Afterwards. I was I was walk- everything on Friday. I was walking out with a couple of the ladies from uh, my talk across the hall, one of our sister stations here, and they weren't like necessarily disgusted that he had gone to a place like this. Their thing was, why not go to like a high end escort service where yeah. you like you know that first of all. The quality of the uh, services that you're buying are probably a little bit better. You mean you're not just like um, pulling cash out and <laughs> haggling? Yeah. But it's much more discreet. There's probably, yeah, there's probably a little bit more discretion right. with the high end. Well, and, and if he's, here's the thing. I can't believe we're down this path now. Sure, we welcome, are. welcome back to the show. <laughs> yes, right? I, if, if, if you've got your Bentley driver, he's got a personal Bentley driver. That's that's driving him to this place, right? right? Yeah. So obviously, transportation not it's not it's not like mm-hmm. a logistical problem for you when you're worth that much money, right? Right. Do you think he has a code name for it with the Bentley driver? Does he just call it "Take me to"? Well, for all the, the Bentley driver knows, he's going in there for a 15 minute massage. I mean, does the would the, the would the, the driver driver, even know? The Bentley driver knows. Okay. <laughs> we all Come know on. what's going on when that guy shows up to a strip mall massage parlor. Yeah. Okay, we all know. When a guy who's worth what's going well on. over a billion dollars is going to a strip mall massage parlor, we all know what's How does he not run it? into people that know him? Right. And he wasn't apparently he wasn't the only billionaire there. There was another guy whose name surfaced on Friday. I forget who he is. What what, what is going on at this place? 
If that, you're working at the Little Caesars down the strip mall <laughs> and you see billionaires just going in there, like, what am I doing wrong with my marketing that billionaires yeah, love this place? Yeah, why don't they want my crazy bread? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not a euphemism. I, no. So if you if you if you do want to read the full details of a horrific report. It's on the internet as of like 10 minutes before our show starts. Yeah, I don't mean like that he got caught. I just mean like some of the details that are coming out now and are, are now Twitter fodder. Like like how long he was in there, that that seems to be the one thing that a lot of people have... That it was only 14 minutes? people have grabbed onto, pun very much intended. Yes, that it was only 14 minutes. Like, dude, he's, he's 72, 73 years old. Like 14 minutes. You thought more like 38, 40, 45? <laughs> somewhere in there? No, I'm... Actually, I mean, 14 minutes for a guy that age, it's, I don't think that's a bad performance. No, I don't a, think that's a bad performance at all. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, it's, it's more than Tom Brady performed in the first half of the Super Bowl two years ago. We know that. We know that. We'll take your calls, too. 651-646-8255 on Mackie and Judd without Rami, or with Rami, without Judd today. Um, we were actually, I was all ready to get Judd on the phone. Judd's on an airplane right now. Yeah. So he can't even call in to talk about his beloved wildfire sale that has come to fruition here, which, uh, but I've got some hockey takes for later on this hour. Yeah. I was surprised when Phil came to me and said, I got yeah. hockey takes today. Don't normally I have Judd hockey was takes. out today. What, what's happening? Yeah. I've got, and, and they have not been fed to me by Judd. I've got, I've got hockey. These takes are your you thoughts. Uh, but Byron Buxton. Another home run today, five RBIs. Uh, I believe at last check he was five for five. He might have had a sixth at bat that I didn't see, but five hits in maybe five at bats in two spring games, 10 RBIs so far. And uh, Max Kepler's also off to a great start with two home runs last night. If Byron Buxton continues to carve it up like this, let's say it's just like the whole spring is him teeing off on major league pitchers ramping up and whichever minor league pitchers they run out there. How much of his spring performance will help ease your mind going into the regular season. I haven't been here to uh, go through the the frustration that you guys have with Byron Buxton, so I would imagine it's probably going to take you and and those who have been following the Twins closely for for many many years longer to 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 buy into what they're seeing from Byron Buxton is real than it is for me. I see a guy follow, watching him from afar and. I was I I was a big fan of Byron Buxton when he came up in in 2017 and had this well the second half that that he had that year I look at this guy as somebody who's been a, a, an outside observer until the last couple of months as a guy who's just got all the tools that you look for in in a young star major league baseball player and I'm not as disheartened by the 2018 that he had as I sense a lot of folks around here are because Again, you've been following it closely. You're more invested than I have been until I got here and and got this job. I look at him and and the trajectory of his career, and I'm not that disturbed by a step back in 2018 because progress isn't linear. It's it's something I've I've been saying since I got here, and I'll keep on saying it. Guys take steps back, especially when they have injuries over the course of a major league career, and especially early on in their major league career and, and in this age range that, that Buxton and Sano find themselves in. There will be steps back. The arrow will point down before it points back up. And I think this is a guy who's who's poised to to make the arrow point back up the other way. I wouldn't be that surprised at all if Byron Buxton comes out of the gates in the 2019 regular season with guns a-blazing. Well, and, and the, the example from across the, the country – Several hundred thousand miles, whatever. A couple. Of, how far away is New York? A couple thousand miles. Two thousand. I want to say. Miles. It's not like hundreds of thousands of miles. No, a couple no. hundred or a couple thousand. I guess. <laughs> okay. If I right. could put a comma in there. Uh, Aaron Hicks was once a top Twins prospect and center fielder, and the Twins, I think, rightfully so in the moment, just wasn't working with Hicks. And at one point, he told the team he was going to scrap switch hitting, and then he became a right-handed batter having never faced right-handed pitching as a right-handed batter in his life, really, maybe you know, from the time he was eight years old. It just went sideways with Aaron Hicks. Well, Hicks, as a 29-year-old, just signed a seven-year, $70 million contract with the Yankees today. And when you talk about success when, when it comes to being a young hitter, it's not always a linear progression, right? 
So I'm with you. I, I have not bailed on Byron Buxton, and I, I would I would also say there's Buxton did have another hit today. By the way, he was three for three with a run scored Jeez. and five RBI on the day. Insane. Mm-hmm. So he's if he does this the rest of the spring, there's still a very clear line to be drawn before the regular season starts because oh, he had another homer. He homered in the fifth inning. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Uh, there's video of his first home run all over. If you could just go to our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash score north. Derek Wetmore was recording the home run from Hammond Stadium. So you can find his grainy footage. But my my follow-up question would be, if he clicks, what if he clicks? Because I almost feel like so many people have just written him off at this point and have said another bust or it's going to take him going to another organization just like Carlos Gomez, just like Aaron Hicks. And Byron Buxton's in that same grouping. And I would say, A, no, he's not, because time will still tell. And B, if he clicks, he's the type of player that brings you from maybe your borderline, your above 500, kind of a borderline playoff team, to you're in and maybe winning the division. That his upside is, is top 10 player in baseball caliber upside. And and you know, I'm not promising that he reaches that upside, but he has MVP caliber upside. You, I don't think you can say that about Eddie Rosario. I don't think, I certainly don't think you say that about Jorge Polanco or almost anyone else on the team. I would say it about him. And he's reminding us, albeit in the first two spring games, so you don't. It, it's a giant block of salt we're dealing with here. He's reminding us of the upside he could show in 2019. So I'm very encouraged by it. I in my I think it was my first write that down. I said he would be an all star in 2019. I still have a lot of faith in Byron Buxton, but like I said, I think that's easier for me to have that faith than it is for Twins fans who've been waiting on Byron Buxton for how long? How long have they been waiting on Byron Buxton? I believe it's partial of uh, fifth partial year in the major leagues. So I can get I can get frustration. I can get losing faith or even writing him off. I just as as a guy who's who's been a casual outside observer of him over the years since since he got to the major leagues, I just see a guy with a world of talent who's ready to bust out. And I would go one step further, Phil, than than to talk about Buxton's success and what it means to the fate of the 2019 Minnesota Twins. When you were gone last week, I I I sort of I was I was looking at the big picture of the Twins and I, I threw this theory out there a couple times once on this show. And once on Touch Em All, that I, I really think that what they're doing this year is they're looking at Buxton and Sano as the guys who are sort of the key to where this franchise is going to go in the next two to three years. Because if Buxton and Sano step up and and start to reach some of their potential, I think you're looking at a team that can make some noise in the AL Central and maybe even knock the Twins off the pedestal and, and take this division. I think that the pieces that they've put around those two guys, if they reach their potential, you're looking at a team that has legitimate division and playoff hopes. Yeah. The flip side, and and I think that, that that bodes well for the next couple of years as those two guys should continue to improve. More young guys will come, and you would think that payroll would go up because Thad Levine and... Uh, and uh, uh, Derek Falvey. Derek Falvey. You can also just combine them into one and call them Falvine. Falvine. That works too. I th- I think that th- they've said that they will go out and spend money when it's time to spend money. So if those two guys take the next step and everything, all the pieces are working right around them, I think that we we could be seeing the start of a competitive Twins team for the next handful of years. If those two guys don't, though, the flip side of that is that if those two guys don't start to take that next step and and come close to their potential. You have a guy in Nelson Cruz who's on a one-year team-friendly deal with an option. You have a guy like Jonathan Scope who, if he bounces back, would be appealing to some teams at the trade deadline who are looking to add and make a, a playoff push. You have players on this roster and guys who you just went out and acquired who I think will will be appealing to teams that are looking to be buyers at the trade deadline and make a playoff push, and now you can sort of bail on the Sano-Buxton experiment yeah. if it fails this year and start acquiring assets by trading those guys and building for the next wave of, of Twins prospects who are on their way. The way you laid that out, it, they've set themselves up in a really, really good spot because they could go either of those directions. I mean, they could they could get value in young players for all the contracts you're talking about. But if it clicks with Buxton, it clicks with Sano, 
And now they just added Marwin Gonzalez on a two-year contract. I was I was texting somebody who uh, covers the Houston Astros earlier today and just saying, oh, "What's what's the deal with?" You know, just I've I've seen the clutch home run in the ninth inning of the World Series. I've I've seen him from afar. He's a great clubhouse guy. Uh, probably not good enough to play any single one position every single day, but great at playing five positions, rotating, and being a guy who drives offense from different obscure positions that might not otherwise have offense. And um, I think his addition to the team, combined with a Jonathan Scope potential breakout, combined with Nelson Cruz maybe still hitting 30, 35, 40 home runs, it makes it even more likely that they go after pitching at some point, even if it's not before the season. If all these things come together, now it makes sense to go down the path of, okay, we've got 20 prospects we feel really good about here in our system. Let's grab two or three of them and go get blank pitcher who's got a year and a half of team control in the middle of July. So you're just you're set up for if things go well, you've got the assets to trade and add pieces. If things don't go well, you've got assets to trade and bring in young prospects again and and beef up your system that way. Right. I, just, I really like them where they're going at. In this you're season. either stockpiling assets come the trade deadline this year, or you're trading away some of the assets that you have for players that are ready to help you win now, yeah. if that's the position that you find yourself in. So I know you don't want to think about tanking and, and a teardown and a rebuild and the whole nine, but I think that you have to... You have to sort of cushion it, and you have to you have with the way that Sano and Buxton have gone, you can't count on them having their breakout years and carrying you into contention for the next few years. Starting now, I think that you have to sort of couch it and say, okay, what if these guys don't pan out? How how do we set ourselves up for 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 future in 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 the or success in the near future? Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to do that is with some of these guys who you've brought in this year, who, like I said, will have value to teams that want to be buyers and make a playoff push at the trade deadline. The other thing I thought about when they pulled the trigger on the Marwin Gonzalez signings, with $21 million over two years, and I, and I actually started on my flight back from uh, out of town from Los Angeles this weekend. I had, I had like four hours to kill on the plane watching, uh, watching movies and just like crunching twins things on my phone. <laughs> and I went through and said, I, I feel like there's so many people that get mad at them because the twins never bring in free agents and they never, they're never active in free agency. Well, they've been one of the most active teams in free agency this offseason for one. And if you go back the last five years, so you loop in the end of the Terry Ryan regime, and some of the contracts, they like the Irvin Santana deal, Phil Hughes, and then they gave Phil Hughes an unwarranted huge extension that paid him $13 million a year for no reason. They've spent, if my math is right, over $300 million on free agents, or if you count the Phil Hughes extension after his first year on a three-year contract, uh, Kurt Suzuki was another extension that was, I mean, so they've gotten overly frivolous with some really bad extensions yeah. and bad free agent signings. And I've always said on this show, Rami, it's not, sometimes they could probably have been more active in free agency. I, I still think they should go get a Craig Kimbrell and really push the pedal down for this season. I said they would unwrite that down on Friday. Saw that. Mm-hmm. And if, if the three year $45 million deal that they reportedly offered is still out there, I think that could be the price range. But it's not as much about them not spending money or bringing in free agents. It's about how they spend money and who they give it to historically. When they give an extension to Nick Blackburn nine years ago after one season unnecessarily, it's a bad deal. When you give $10 million to Kevin Correa, that's a bad deal. He gives you a track record of 10 years of being terrible in the National League. So I'm just, I I hope people, if you're paying attention, it's no longer. They don't bring in free agents. They're bringing in free agents. They might not be bringing in Bryce Harper. If you want Bryce Harper, I'm sorry. Bryce Harper's not going to play here. It's not going to happen. Unless you want to give him $400 million over 10 years. But Marwin Gonzalez, Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope, these are savvy, really good signings by a smart front office. And I don't know if they'll ever be in on the Bryce Harpers of the world, but they will be in on more marquee free agents when it's time to do so. You, Thad Levine said... When we feel like we're in a position to win this division, we'll make that signing to put our foot on the Cleveland Indians' throat. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he used that terminology of putting their foot on the Cleveland Indians' throat when they feel like they're poised to take over this division. So they'll be in on more free agents and more high-profile free agents in the coming years. 
And you can disagree with them on this point if you want, but they just don't feel like it's it's time to do that right now. And this offseason, Phil, and somebody's going to sign Bryce Harper and and leapfrog them in this, they're ninth in Major League Baseball in money spent in free agency. The Minnesota Twins are ninth in all of baseball in terms of how much money was spent this offseason. Yeah. I don't know how you expect I mean, you you can't you can't pretend like the Twins or any baseball team are operating in a vacuum. You got to look at 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 the pace of of the market and and the value of players on the market and how the Twins are operating within that and for what's been a slow market in Major League Baseball the last two off seasons, they've been one of the busier teams. You you might not agree with all the signings and I know it's not the big splashy free agents that some Twins fans are looking for, but they're spending they're spending money in what they think is a wise way to improve this baseball team. Yeah. To the tune of the ninth most money spent in Major League Baseball this offseason. And hey, we'll be interactive. If you've got thoughts on Byron Buxton, 10 RBIs in his first two spring training games and home runs and doubles, or if you've got thoughts on uh, what they've done so far in free agency, if you disagree with us, 651-646-8255 if you're listening live. Uh, on demand, everything we do at Score North is available on demand at scorenorth.com. That's S K O R North.com, including we're the only place in town with a daily Viking show at noon every single day, live on AM 1500, live on scorenorth.com, and also across Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Uh, we are in the TCL studios, and I've got hockey takes for you. Ooh. Two takeaways from what the Wild have done. At this deadline and in the days leading up to Has it. Judd possessed you in, in Actually, his absence? Judd just posted a tweet. A delayed flight at the New York airport gave me time to write this column about Paul Fenton and praising him. <laughs> we should cold call Judd and see what happens. I think if he's got a delay out if there. If his flight York, is delayed, get him on. Yeah. For, it's not often Phil has hockey <laughs> thoughts. So get him on just, just for like a proud papa moment of, oh my God, Phil yes. has hockey thoughts. So uh, we'll get to that shortly here, and uh, also we're going to talk about the potential curse that almost killed Carl Anthony Towns. Mm. And uh, the TCL TV in studio has now multiplied to two TCL TVs in the studio. We've got 55-inch TV on the left. On the right, there's one over in the producer room. So what's 55 times 3? 55 times 165. 165 inches worth of TCL TVs. Hmm. Don't make a joke. I know you want to. It's a lot of TV to manipulate. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you can find TCL TVs at any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. There's a reason why it's America's fastest growing TV brand and why we have three glorious TCL TVs with built-in Roku devices in our studio areas here. Back with more Mackie and Judd with Rami. Without Judd, though. Hey, Minnesota sports fans. Phil Mackie here, introducing you to the all-new Score North on 1500, where you'll find Purple Daily at noon, Matthew Collar 2 to 4, and Mackie and Judd with Rami from 4 to 6. Over at scorenorth.com, that's S-K-O-R, in addition to great written content, you'll find some of the most entertaining local Minnesota sports podcasts. Purple Podcast, Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on Hoops, Touch them all, Royce Unchained, and plenty more. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at Score North. Minnesota Sports, anytime, anywhere. For Donato again. Back in he comes, crisscrossing with Parisi. And Pareko is there defensively. Now to Parisi. Rodin goes to the net. Dropped off for Donato. Fires It's a winner for Ryan Donato. Passes it over Yonko. Neal and Fiala tag up. Neal cuts to the middle. Off to Fiala. Kevin Fiala! Overtime winner! All right. Have you, uh, Jonathan, been in touch with, with Judd at all? Can we try cold calling him at the airport in sure. New York and just see what happens? Let's do it. Just fire up the hotline. Because I kind of want him to be on the line if uh, I've got hockey takes. I feel I, like I said before the break. I feel like this might be a, a proud Papa moment for Judd. Yeah, that Phil actually has his own original hockey take. Yeah. Well, let's give him like ten more seconds here, and we can tell the people that you and I, Rami Maklov, are live on Twitch on the Score yes. Twitch account right oh, now. Oh man! And only the Score North Twitch account. Only Twitch. We just started this account last week. We haven't really done a whole lot with it, other than just like as we're streaming live on some of these other platforms. We also will be live on Twitch. But today, and you know what? We might even do this the rest of the week just for fun. 
because it's a super engaging platform. Um, we would love for you to interact with us on the show by just going to twitch.tv slash score north if you are listening to this live right now. I'll send a tweet out too so we can give Tell that address people. again. Twitch.tv slash score north. Got gonna- that? S K O R North slash S K O R. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we can we can hang with uh, with some of you guys. Maybe you're maybe you're playing hooky today because, or maybe you're like stuck in an eight foot snowdrift down in southern Minnesota with Judd out your today. Phone still, I pointed this out on Purple Daily today. I'm I'm sitting in the chair Judd normally would. Yeah. So it's a good day to stream live on Twitch because I don't look nearly as fat in this chair. <laughs> My profile does me no favors. Like not. Not from a face standpoint, not from a body standpoint. Like that is not profile is just not my angle. I should only be seen straight on straight or straight ahead. from behind. Or straight, <laughs> not no, not straight. Straight from behind is even worse. Like I don't even know what's going on straight from behind. I should only be seen from directly in front of me. I'm looking at the angle right now, and that's not even great. But I'll take it over what what's usually happening when I'm sitting. And that chair. So you need straight on angles, dimly lit rooms, and super high camera angles. Actually, I think more lighting might help. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a lighting expert, but I feel like more lighting might help. But it very well could be even worse. Because then, you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. More lighting would be worse, okay. and you'd, you'd see more of me, and that's not anything anyone needs. I think we just need five minutes of Rami insecure monologue <laughs> every single day on this show. This is what goes on in my head. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there for you people. So here are and and the Wild did also trade Matt Hendricks today for a seventh round pick. Matt Hendricks is like a hundred years old and they, they got a seventh round pick for him. But now that the dust has has cleared, Nino Niederreiter, twenty six years old, Charlie Coyle, twenty seven years old, Mikhail Grindland, twenty seven years old. Those guys are out. Ryan Donato, who scored the game winner for the Wild last night, 22 years old, in this Kevin Fiala, who uh, they picked up from Nashville today, and Paul Fenton, I believe Paul Fenton was the one who announced that draft pick. He was the number 11 overall pick a few years ago for Nashville, and Paul Fenton uh, made that announcement. He's 22 years old, and then Victor Rask was, was who they got in the Niederreiter trade, 26 years old, some salary cap relief there, not a ton, but they save a million or two a year on that contract. So anyways... Here are my two main takeaways for you. Okay? All right. And we did put in a cold call to Judd, but I, he may have gotten on the airplane. Okay. But he did post a column about all of this at scorenorth.com. I think he should just be that obnoxious guy on the airplane who feels like he's important enough to talk on the phone. Like Even the guy from Die Hard 2? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jonathan knows what I'm talking about. The reporter guy? That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking when yeah. I said it. Yep. In the bathroom. <laughs> um, so takeaway number one is it's been a seven-year period of mostly underachievement for the Wild. They've only won a couple playoff series. They haven't made it to a Western Conference Finals. And Parisi and Suter take a lot of the blame for being the figureheads and the highest paid players with the longest contracts on this team Mm -hmm. that is underachieved. But that's not where I would point the finger. I would point the finger at the guys who are supposed to supplement the two superstar superstars aggressive, the two star players on big contracts. So it's like regular season success is great, and the Wild have had a ton of that the last seven years. They've made the playoffs every year. Um, they might even make the playoffs this year. If the playoffs started today, they would be in. But it's not that hard to make the playoffs in the NHL. It's not really about regular season success because there's only six Western Conference teams above 500 this year, Rami. So there, if right now, if the playoffs started, the Wild would be in three games under 500 if you include the— They're uh, still in the playoffs? Correct, yes. And, and and that includes uh, when I say uh, when I say above and below 500, I'm taking the moral victory category, which is the overtime loss point, and I'm moving that into the loss column. And the Wild would be three games below 500, so it's not that hard to make the playoffs. It's what do you do when you get into the playoffs? In the last three years, Nino Niederreiter, Charlie Coyle, and Mikhail Granlin, the three guys who got traded, have played 48 combined playoff games. Okay. They've scored six goals. These are dudes who are supposed to be churning for you. These are forwards. These are guys who are, depending on the line rotation, have been top line forwards in playoff matchups before. And in in 48 combined playoff games among the three of them, the last three years, they've scored six goals. At some point, you are who you are. And I get that playoffs can be small sample size, and I've argued that before on this show too. But when you're 27 and you've been playing in the playoffs on a regular basis, and you can't find the net, I understand why a front office would say, all right, well, that's great. Like, Thanks for the 25 or 30 goals in the regular season. 
How about one against a Western Conference opponent against the Blues or something in the first round? So takeaway number one is these guys who got traded were more part of the problem in the postseason for the Wilds' failures than the guys who get blamed on a regular basis, which are the highest paid players. All right? Takeaway number two, Rami Maklov. All right. This is officially now, now that these three guys are out the door, this is officially the end of a pretty prominent era, maybe the most notable wild era in, in team history, in the what now almost 20 years of team history. When they signed, and, and think about this too, when they signed Zach Parisi to that big contract along with Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi was 27 years old, the same age as Grandland and Coyle are right now. And the narrative at the time was, you're going to take in his prime Zach Parisi, in his prime Ryan Suter, and also in his prime Miko Koivu at the time. And you've got this young nucleus that you're going to put with them. So Granlund no longer has to be the savior of the franchise. So you he had the three in. cornerstones yep. and, and the prospect, the wave of prospects coming in behind them to surround those guys. Exactly. And those guys are going to come in, led by Mikhail Granlund. And, and they're going to have less pressure because, again, the franchise doesn't ride on those guys to be saved. The franchise has been saved by Parisi, Suter, and then, and then Miko Koivu. Um, having been with the team for a few years before those two signings. And they just never, it, it's not that they were all busts. Because like even Jason Zucker, Jason Zucker has has become a goal scorer. And 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 there's been times where Mikhail Granlin, like he's taken over playoff games before. But total package, you thought one or two would become superstar level players. And none really became that. So you had... You had this void that was never fully filled by the young players that were supposed to come up. And now what you have left is mostly, I'm oversimplifying a little bit here, you've got 34-year-old Zach Parisi and, what, 33-year-old Ryan Suter and a bunch of dudes here, if you include uh, the guys that they just got, uh, Kevin Fiala and Ryan Donato, 22-22, and then other players that are around the same age. So now the gap's even wider. Now it's Now you've got guys who aren't quite ready to be top players in the NHL yet, but you're hopeful. And then guys who used to be top players in the NHL, and now they're in their mid-30s. So you've got a pretty wide range of what your team is is built up on right now. I'm amazed that they, as as a casual hockey observer... That I just spewed that much knowledge. No, at you? that they're oh. still in the playoffs. Okay. Like since you're going to compliment my wild takes. Since that. since I got here, I feel like their their playoff hopes were hanging by a thread. And as you just laid out very yeah. nicely, they've traded a bunch. Is 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 the conference just full of teams who don't want it? Is it a is it is it a bunch of teams playing hot potato with that last playoff spot in in the NHL Western Conference? Well, two things, real quick. Yes, number one. Okay, number two. Hockey is, it's very rare, and football's the same way. Like, it's everything's a race to eight and eight, right? I mean, even if sure. you put the best hockey team in the NHL, which this year is by far the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they're crazy good. They've only lost 11 games out of the 62 they've played. But for the most part, you put the best team in the NHL against the worst team in the NHL, and that, the best team's only going to win about seven times out of 10. You put the Patriots up against a tanking Browns team any given year, and the, like, the Patriots are never losing that game. Right, so everything everything does tend to gravitate toward 500, but the Western Conference right now, and this is the other fact here, I guess this is takeaway number three. They could still make the playoffs by just shuffling the roster. So they've given themselves some cap relief. They freed up some money. They got if you combine the ages of the three guys they traded. Now I'm not going to count Hendricks. I'm, I'll, let's let's stick to the the Nino Niederreiter, Charlie Coyle, and Mikhail Granlin grouping. They still got 10 years younger collectively by just bringing in the 22-year-old guys. So they got cap relief, they got younger, and they might still make the playoffs having made their roster better for the long term. You don't want them to make the playoffs, do you? I'd rather them tank, but it would be hilarious if, because (laughs) hockey is hockey... You go into wave the white flag mode, and your team gets better down just, the stretch. Just in the for last Judd's reaction, games. I would like to see. I would like to see Judd's reaction to them still making the playoffs despite trying their hardest not to. Yes. So you know, it's no guarantee. Even if you get the third overall pick, it's no guarantee that you're going to land a superstar because you, you're going to draft an 18 year old kid, and who who knows what happens with that player. Um, but I love it. I think I think the fact that they checked all those boxes. This is seemingly the right process by which they should be operating. And now, depending on which which way you feel, if you're in the tank mode, you can root for them to lose all these games. Or if you're in, hey, they got better for the future, might as well 
might as well roll the dice and uh, or I guess it's 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 essentially free money, house money that you're playing with. You might as well take a shot and get the seven seed and try and I don't know. Go beat the Sharks in the first round of the playoffs. I hate to sidetrack the conversation or make it seem as though I, I wasn't listening to you, Phil, but uh, as you were talking, courtesy of our friends at KSTP Sports, across my timeline came a close-up view of Byron Buxton's home run swing today. That dude is locked in, man. That guy. Describe it to us. It's, I mean, it. he just, he's, he's obviously seeing the ball very well. It, it was one of those swings where it it looks easy. Like, he, he saw it, he was like, oh, okay, here comes a fastball. Oh, I, here it is. Right Run. over the left field wall. Like that a little, dude, little flick of the wrist. Yeah, that dude is locked in. He's feeling it right now. And, and it's 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 February, okay? So locked, take, take locked in with a grain of salt. But sometimes you just see a, a, the way a guy swings and walks out of the batter's box as though he expected that thing to go over the fence before he even started moving the bat. That's where Byron Buxton is right now. It's late February. Yeah. Take that with whatever grain of salt you want, but that's a dude who's locked in and is seeing the ball well right now, to say the least. Can I jump back to this and say that Declan Goff, who's part of the Judd's Hockey Show, <laughs> yes. just said, Phil nailed his two takeaways on the wild trades, and I'm impressed. Something I've never said to him before. With a gif of uh, Dwight from The Office <laughs> slow clapping you. So congratulations. you have uh, Dec- It's Declan Goff approved. Thank your, you. Your hockey takes. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, 651-646-8255 if you want to chime in. And we're streaming live today on Twitch. If you want to join the show, if you want to watch us and make fun of our ugly radio faces, if you want to leave some comments, we'll open up comments and uh, and interact with you guys. It's twitch.tv slash score north. That's S-K-O-R north. Twitch.tv slash score north. I was watching us for a couple minutes and it was throwing me off. I was just too obsessed with my posture and should I turn this way? What am I doing with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands. I think more hand movement so, would be good for you. <laughs> I just shut it down. I just I just closed it. I shut it down. That's for others to consume. Why is Rami us. doing jazz hands during his sports day? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Just raises it. <laughs> Mackie and Jeb with Rami. They said this is 90s night. So they brought out a 2,000 artist. <laughs> but my album came out in 99, so I guess that counts. Sanchez, we ready? Are we ready? <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> was Ja Rule at halftime of a Saturday's Wolves-Bucks game at Serve Forum down in Milwaukee. He was there, as you heard him say, for 90s night. And, like, he got... That's the worst start you could possibly get off to when he goes, they brought me out for 90s night even though I'm a 2,000 artist. Like, dude... Wait, are you telling me, Rami, that Ja Rule (laughs) may have been slightly underprepared for... A scenario gone awry. Like, dude, be be happy anybody is looking for you instead of nitpicking what year your album came out and what decade you belong to. But you could <laughs> you could tell what he was thinking there. He just realized as as he was about to start his halftime show, he was like, Oh, this is this is nineties night. They're saying I'm not relevant anymore. Like the, I better try and clean this thing up as much as I can. And then and then the sound not working is just the the most appropriate thing that can possibly happen to Ja Rule after the Fire Festival. Like th- this is a dude who a lot of people didn't get what they were expecting from Ja Rule and his team at Firefest. And then he didn't get what he expected to start the halftime show in Milwaukee at the Pfizer Forum. The only way that could have been better is if they told him he was going to have like this big great stage and a light show and dancers and then a smoke machine and then he got there and they were just like FEMA tents and like exactly. sandwiches <laughs> that were like prepackaged <laughs> backstage so, for him. So the Timberwolves <laughs> account for anyone who didn't follow this on, on Twitter over the weekend, oh the God. Timberwolves account took a quote from Ja Rule after the Fire Festival debacle, mm-hmm. which I watched that Netflix documentary for the first time this weekend. Isn't it rich? And we can recap it for people oh who haven't God. seen it, but it's amazing. And so Ja Rule tweeted out at some point, I don't know, whenever this was, 
I was hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, and led astray, right? Mm-hmm. The Timberwolves tweeted, We too, last after the Ja Rule halftime debacle, we too were hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, and led astray. To which Ja Rule retweets it. Quote tweets it. Quote tweets mm-hmm. it. And says, you just jinx yourself talking to the God, all caps, the God. <laughs> Who made him the God? <laughs> You're cursed now, all caps, three exclamation points. You won't win a championship for the next 30 years. Ooh, never <laughs> never seen that before in Minnesota sports, by the way. And then in all caps, Carl Anthony Towns is leaving, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Apologize and I'll lift the curse. Kiss of death. With a kiss emoji face. And around that same time, Carl Anthony Towns gets into a car accident. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. The curse of Ja is not real. Carl Anthony Towns' car accident was before they even left Minnesota to head to New York, and then they went to Milwaukee. So don't don't give any credence to the curse of Ja. That it's, is not. It's a little creepy. It's not it's a, a real little thing. Creepy. The accident had already happened before they mocked Ja Rule. And who is Ja Rule to curse anybody? Listen, if Carl Anthony Towns comes out tonight against the Sacramento Kings and it's like Space Jam or he doesn't even know how to dribble anymore. <laughs> what but all we have to do is apologize apparently to Ja Rule and the curse is lifted. So how, he, he, he you can't put a curse on someone and then say, but if you apologize, I'll lift the curse. Right. Make us work for it a little bit, Ja. That, Come on. That's not how curses work, as far as I know. But how would you even know? If the curse was working, like for oh, it's for, it's working on the Timberwolves, but it's not the Ja Rule curse. I was going to say something else that goes back thirty years. If they don't win a championship for the next thirty years, can you say that's the Ja Rule curse, or can you say that's just the Wolves being Wolves? <laughs> if Carl Anthony Towns can leaves, can you say that's the Ja Rule curse, or is that just the Wolves being Wolves? Like when when a team has had the futility that the Wolves have had to this point in their franchise history, how do you even know if a curse is effective? I think a curse would be a step up from what's happened to the Wolves <laughs> the last three decades. If you tweet, oh, now the Wolves are just cursed, I would say, oh, that explains. <laughs> because if it's a curse or it's just, nope, you've shot yourself in the foot a hundred times with stupid mistakes and bad hires, I would rather have the curse. Give me the curse. For sure. Give yes. me the curse all day. But uh, by the way, uh, fear not, Minnesota and folks, fans of the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, because Ja Rule has also had beef with 50 Cent, Eminem, Busta Rhymes, Dr. Dre, DMX, and Foxy Brown. All have had beef with Ja Rule in the past, and all have gone on to greater success than Ja Rule. So, but is this the first franchise he's had beef with? I I don't know has if he's ever cursed somebody. I know that rappers cursing NBA franchises has been a thing and has been a thing in the past. Like oh, wow. Drake he hasn't cursed he hasn't like vocally come out and cursed anybody, but there is a belief that when Drake goes and visits a team for a shoot around or a practice or something, which he has done in the past, that he leaves behind bad juju and that he, he's is like cursed. the he's like the Madden cover. Right. Yeah. Uh Lil B the bass god, who's a rapper about twenty years younger than Ja Rule. A few years ago, Jonathan, do you remember who Lil B cursed? I think it was Oklahoma City. I think it was Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, if I'm not mistaken. And then there was somebody else, too. I think it might have been uh, James oh. Harden. Yeah, no, Lil, it was Lil B, the base god, cursed Thunder. James Harden. Okay. Yeah, this is a thing. It's it definitely is. A thing. Rappers cursing basketball franchises is a thing. I, but I don't know that Ja Rule has any history of placing curses on basketball teams. I'm going to go out and say that Ja Rule... Doesn't have a whole lot of influence over many things these days. I did watch the Firefest documentary, and I didn't know really any. I, maybe I'm just oblivious and wasn't like looking at the right Instagram posts. Yeah, but just around the room, did you guys know about the Fire Festival disaster yeah. yes. as it was happening? I was yeah. following it live. Okay, is it weird that I didn't know that? A little. I mean, it was on yeah, what every were you doing? morning news agent news thing, which I, I understand want, at yeah. the time you were you had a nine to one show, but. Yeah, we were, I couldn't get Judd to watch, you know, yeah. Firefest updates <laughs> at 9.30 in the morning. 
Um, but like for for the other eight people besides me that didn't know what was happening, basically, uh, uh, what's Billy's last name again? Billy something or other. Um, Entrepreneur wannabe guy. Oh, oh man. Twenty five year old kid name? partners with Ja Rule to put on an exclusive, super super high end outdoor. Billy McFarland. McFarland. Yeah. Uh, concert series on what used to be Pablo Escobar's private island in the Bahamas. Right. And all the promotional videos that they shot with some of the top 10 supermodels in the world, it was this glorious mecca of yachts and not just tents, but like outdoor, I don't even know what you would call them, villas. Villas, right? yeah. Yeah. And it's and it I, and I I told you guys this before. I don't think Ja Rule and Company and Billy were trying to scam anybody at first. They're just idiots and didn't know how much work goes into actually planning not only a concert series, but there's no bathroom infrastructure. There's, yeah. It's not like there's a bunch of restaurants lined up. Like You literally have to build the infrastructure for this. And, and they all just kind of said, oh, we'll find solutions. And the thing <laughs> okay. is, they, like you said, it was on Pablo Escobar's private island. And when they when they made an agreement with the new landowners that they were going to be holding it on this island, the first thing they said was, we don't want any mention of Pablo Escobar in any of your marketing or advertising. <laughs> the first thing in the first video that they put out held on Pablo Escobar's private island. And then and then the, the new owners of the island just pulled they pulled out. They were like, we told you not yeah. to mention Pablo Escobar. And the first thing you did was mention Pablo Escobar. So then they end up on what's not even an island. They end up on what's like essentially... A, a construction development in where did they? Do you remember where they ended up? It, it was, was it was like the main. It was one of the main larger uh, sections of the Bahamas. It was in the same vicinity, right? It just wasn't like it wasn't a private island, correct? Yes. Yeah, which was the branding and the marketing. But here's the brilliance, actually the the, the only shred of brilliance that Ja Rule can can pin to his you know, resume is the fact that he never creates anything on his own. He always is the... I remember him as a kid in high school. Like I, I used to listen to Ja Rule songs, and they were never Ja Rule songs. It was somebody else's song. Right. And then Ja Rule would come in for a few bars and be done. <laughs> and he could always claim if the song flopped or the album Murder. flopped, hey, that was, that was a Shanti's <laughs> right. album. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about, right? Uh-huh. Hey, that wasn't... I was just a collaborator, okay? <laughs> and in this case... One dude's doing six years in prison, and the other one can say, "Hey, listen, I, I don't know, wasn't my album." He wants to put sure. together another music festival. He's like, "Guys, I know, I know, I messed this up, but I'm going to get it right this time." Trust in Ja. Uh, somebody here, let me let me pull open the. Uh, we're we're live on Twitch right now, Hi. just experimenting and hanging out here. Hello. If you want to watch us in studio, Mackie and Judd, without Judd today, but Rami's in the house, and. Uh, some people were commenting on the on the initial when the, it's halftime wolves and bucks and Jaw Rule's doing his his thing, and somebody points out in the chat there's video of Giannis coming shoot, in just like putting his, up jumpers. Yeah, just. his halftime shoot around <laughs> while Jaw's doing his thing, and Jaw retweets it. Someone someone pointed it out like, oh, Giannis is really interested in your halftime show. Ja Rule gets all defensive and said, retweets. It happens said, all the time. Y'all act like this is not normal for halftime shows. Y'all mad corny for this post. You're, it happens all the time. You're the throwback artist at 90s night, and we're mad corny? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even know it. You don't even know that you're the irrelevant artist at halftime of an NBA game for 90s night. But we're corny. Uh, and that is not normal. Giannis doesn't shoot. I was there when Coolio performed. Giannis was not shooting around. I was there when Boys to Men performed. Giannis was not shooting around. Yeah. Giannis was only shooting around for your set, Ja. You know, though, some of those guys, we make fun of them. We make fun of the the guy from 20 years ago or the band from 20, 30 years ago that can't let it go. Yeah. You know how much money some of those acts make when they go to, when they go to Mystic oh, Lake Casino? Or, and they're pulling in like tens in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars just to make the retirement round 20 years after they were last relevant so good for ja rule for a not being in jail get the bag dude it, i don't i'm not mad at you but like have some self-awareness if i don't know if you've noticed this about me yet phil if there's one thing i have very little patience for it's a lack of self-awareness and not knowing <laughs> who you are the rock said it best 
know your role, and shut your mouth. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best thing you could possibly do, and Ja just doesn't understand that. Amazing. A uh, couple programming notes, too. Danny Cunningham was documenting all of this from Milwaukee. We sent Danny on the road to Milwaukee just to cover the Ja Rule halftime. Really didn't, really didn't care about the team. We didn't care about the basketball. We were like, no. Ja Rule's performing at halftime. <laughs> and so Get you, down there, young, Dan, young Daniel. You can find all of his stuff at scorenorth.com. This was earlier today. Speaking of Danny, he grabbed Carl uh, Anthony Towns. and So Carl Anthony Towns... Discussing the car accident that took place that knocked him out of a, a couple games on the road. Accident could have went, I would say, I had five percent a chance of making it out alive. I hit the five percent mark, and then I say four percent was to be seriously injured, and one percent was to be minorly injured, and I came out in the one percent, so it's not bad. Do you buy that there is a ninety-five percent chance that he didn't make it out, and a ninety-nine percent chance of anything other than minor injury? I mean, I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not an expert, but that's an amazing, that's insane stroke of luck. If that's the case, it sounds like I don't know. Based on the the few details that we know about this car accident, it sounds very similar to what happened to to the comedian Tracy Morgan a few years ago when he was involved in a really serious accident. Just sitting there, traffic's not moving, and here comes a truck behind you. That is not slowing down and just goes full speed into the back of, into the back of the vehicle that you were driving in, and we we saw how that how that ended for Tracy Morgan, who thank God is on the men now. But there, were, I mean, there were people who were on his bus when that thing happened who did not make it off that bus. So I believe it. Here's more from Cat. It was simple. I mean, we we car in front of us stopped to uh, react to an accident that just occurred in front of him. We stopped. Uh, and we stopped not hard, but you know, gradually and uh, a little more than gradual. But and then we came to more of a hard stop, and we stopped. And I looked at our trainer Kurt, who I'm glad is safe as well, and looked at him and complained about the car in front of us stopping so hard. And uh, I didn't realize what he said until after that he was saying that oh, the truck is not slowing down behind <laughs> us. So he was real stone faced <laughs> looking at me. So uh, at the rearview mirror. So I didn't know what he was talking about. I kept talking about the car in front of us, and next thing you know, we got hit. It happened so quick. So. Um, you know, I'm just glad. Glad uh, everyone's safe in the accidents. Uh, everyone's alive. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, it could have been much worse, you know. And in all honesty, probably should not have uh, made it out like I did, but uh, glad I did. They said this is 90s night. You don't, so think, we're, you don't think it's a real curse? No. <laughs> but my album came out in 99, so I guess that counts. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, June of 1999, for the record. Oh. Ja Rule's first album. By the way, um, and I'll, I'll try and find the tweet, but Dustin Godsey, who works in the uh, in the Bucks uh, PR department, or, yeah, PR department, he put out, in response to Ja Rule, a list of songs that Ja Rule either, now not albums, but songs that Ja singles he put out, or, as you said, singles that he at least featured on with, with other artists, um, here it is. I just found it. He says, let's get this out of the way early. It's 90s night. Uh, so let my annual disclaimer out of the way now. No, we're not wearing throwbacks. Yes, we would if we could. And then, uh, oh man, I can't find the tweet where he responded to Ja and listed off all the songs that he actually did put out in the early to mid 90s that weren't on his albums, but were indeed put out in the early to mid 90s. We're just going to do the next full hour in oral history of that list of songs. Actually. So <laughs> listen at your own 